listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. Today's interesting because I was cutting the grass before this. And we have a gr- we killed the bee nest that was remember when you were here for my wedding oh yeah we killed the bee nest and we thought the problem was solved but there's a ground hive along the wood that's next to my lake now and I was cutting the grass today and I forgot about this and I ran it over at the lawnmower and I got zapped like four or five times so I'm on Benadryl <laughs> and caffeine at the moment to try to offset the Benadryl so that's good that's where that's where I'm at at this moment and then Matt tells me well that's okay because are you allergic I don't know but I it hurts like unbelievably and then I'm telling Matt this trying to make excuses if I'm a poor host and then he goes it's okay I'm on nicotine right now he says and then he just left me hanging patches or chew <laughs> you know uh, Anthony Kunkel was doing this as well microdosing tell us more possibly for a different reason i don't know <laughs> i would i would assume for a different reason yeah uh, it's uh it's a it's one of the zillion uh long covid treatments that is showing some efficacy with some people and it fell under the uh worth a try category for me so i'm on day two. Oh, this is early yeah yeah if it works if it's going to work it's supposed to work within a few days mm-hmm. i mean you know like um, so we'll see, but I mean, you know, it's like, I mean, I, I am caffeine, I mean, I am nicotine naive. So like, you know, I wasn't even thinking about it. I put on a patch yesterday and I was loopy. <laughs> really um, it's a little better today. Yep. <laughs> like good loopy. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I have a high tolerance for altered states. So as soon as I got my bearings, I'm like, yeah, I'll ride this. This is cool. Uh, you know, is that like an earned tolerance or just innate earned? Yeah. It's just, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just how I'm wired. Like, you know, like when I, it's just everything. Like when I go out for Thai food, I, I get a Thai spicy, you know, like my, my morning coffee is just like heroin, <laughs> you know, just like, you know, I bet I get, I, 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 I get the, like the death wish coffee and then I brew it like double strength and just like yeah i just i i like intense intense states okay <laughs> we're jumping right into stuff we never got into last time i like it uh, yeah i like things that provoke a strong reaction like yeah. if my coffee doesn't taste a little bit like crushed aspirin it's so strong like i don't like it for example like it needs to be like like things that provoke a yeah. a reaction i very much under, i'm i relate to that things that taste bad to me are enjoyable because of what it does whatever it does in my system there's got to be some psychology there i don't know but what does nicotine feel like because i've never been on the nicotine what does that feel like yeah it's it's a little bit like a a caffeine buzz it's not as buzzy but you know just like you know just yeah so you feel like just a little bit wired um um yeah so you know it's like but you can you can function just fine you know you're not slurring your words or well you tell me if i'm slurring my words i don't think so (laughs) This is non-alcoholic, by the way. Yeah, so. Athletic brewing and nicotine. You're living the life. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got Benadryl and caffeine over here. It's like, uh, what, what do you Yeah, do what's you your DOC, Bracken? <laughs> Come on, Bracken. <laughs> I feel left out. I feel like I need to run outside and see if I can score something. <laughs> <laughs> I've also got whatever poison is in a bee's stinger. Oh, so I think I'm, I'm going to one-up you guys. I got three things. You only got two. Bracken's got none. Fight milk. Fight milk, that's right. I never had any real reaction to stings. When I was in college, I was working uh, just a manual labor job. And one summer, we had to DB 
undo b remove the bees from the roofs of 32 properties that the the company I worked for owned. And we ran out of, of spray and my boss was like, you couldn't have gone through all that yet. I'm not getting you more. Like, I don't know what you expect us to do here. So we were trying to manually kill all of the bees that were coming out of the, the nest because we were in college and that seemed like what we should do. So they'd be in like this little spout and we'd put something over the top and we'd kick it. And then they get all riled up and then we'd let one out and try to kill it. And and then one day we just, we screwed it up and they swarmed and my buddy was on the ladder and I ran over to it, but he was on it. So I couldn't get down. So I just had to keep running in circles. I'd try to lose them around the roof and then get down. And as soon as I grabbed the ladder, they'd start stinging me. So I just had to keep running and I got stung like 26 times on the, on the torso. Nothing, no issue whatsoever. Wow. And then Three years ago, I was doing a time trial, my long run time trial around the lake, and I got stung on the side of the calf. And by the time I got done, I had like a four inch long, three inch wide welt that like hurt itched. And ever since that day, I react to bee stings. I went 32 years with nothing. And then suddenly I get welts now that look like a, a rash and it'll last for like a week and a half now. Well, they say that the more you're stung or the more you're exposed, the worse typically if you're going to build a, a bad reaction. And I got stung two weeks ago when I was playing in the woods. And then now this is, I think I got six of them. Like my right ears plugged, my throat feels funny. I can breathing fine. It was two hours ago. And like, it's definitely gotten worse, like even from two weeks ago. So I think there's something to that. But I was told, then we can get into some, I don't know, maybe pertinent topics here, but uh, gasoline. You're supposed gasoline apparently will do the trick. You can you can evacuate all the bee problems. They, gasoline and bees don't get along. I don't think gas and anything really gets along. You just ingest it. I, <laughs> I'm talking about putting Purge it on the, the high. poison out. Yeah, the fumes. You can place a cup of gas underneath the beehive, and the fumes will fumigate them. Or you can dump it down a ground nest, and you should be good. That's what I was told. Just light it. Listen, you don't come onto my property. Build a house and then sting me six times. That's not okay. That's war. We'll move on. Matt, I, right. quick question about the long COVID thing. Because um, I know you've been open with us talking about it, but I actually have an athlete in uh, Australia. He's been having a hell of a like th- three to six months. Had to pull the plug on his A race. Come to fight. He's been in and out of like, I got a sore throat every other week. Like I got like, he just can't kick it. He thought he tested positive four times for COVID. He's like, I got it again. Well, finally the deductive reasoning has led him to believe he's got long COVID. It went to the doctors, all that. It's all we can figure out. He's feeling like heck. Um, Andrew Lorenzo, shout out Andrew. He's a trooper. Um, do, do you have any advice? Like if you're in the first few months of long COVID, like him, it's got to be what he's dealing with. What do you? What's your advice to somebody like that? It's tough because it's just so individual. I mean, I'm coming up on three years in, and I'm not recovering. Um, and yeah, you know, a lot of people do, and it's just everyone's got a unique story. Uh, you know, we mentioned the the nicotine. I'm trying. You know, not the first thing I've tried, um, and you know, things that that have uh, brought relief to other people with long COVID just haven't been effectual for me. Um, you know, if you're an athlete. It's one of those rare cases when like you can't listen to your body, like listening to your body, if, if that's all you do, uh, like if you, you will probably do too much. So you have to be like that cautious and then some um, and just like, you know, play the long game. Um, just, you know, like, um, you know, just like do as little as you can bear. <laughs> 
um, for a period of time and treat everything as a little bit of an experiment. Give things more time to like if, if you, you know, if you haven't been running and you try a test run and you feel OK the next day, wait two more days before you, you run again because of that, you know, post-exertional malaise thing. It sucks. It's not the advice anyone wants to hear, but like that's the athlete specific stuff. It's just like, um, you know, <laughs> go beyond merely listening to your body. And then, you know, in terms of like, you know, what can pop, pop you know, because long COVID is more than one thing. It's like a cluster of related syndromes. And so it depends, like, you know, the main issue for some folks is um, that the virus is still lingering in the body. That sounds like it might, did you say Andrew? Yeah, good memory. Name? Andrew. Uh, yes. Yep. Your athlete. Yep. So that might be what's going on with him if he's testing positive. Uh, for others, it's more of like, um, you know, uh, you know, nervous system deregulation, dysregulation. That's what I'm attacking with the nicotine. Uh, let's see. Um, and so you just need, like, I, I wouldn't like put your entire life on pause trying to find a cure yet. Like you need to go on living your life cause it's just really uncertain, but you need to be open to selectively trying things. Mm. Um, and hopefully you have a good doctor who's, who treats it as like, they're comfortable not knowing, you know, the too many doctors that they have to like, either you're fine or, um, or they pretend they know when they don't. So like, you know, almost like a good coach, you know, you treat it as let's try things, um, not I necessarily have the answers. And you may have to try a few different things and it might be more than you know, a little bit of symptom management. For me, you know, I have just crushing uh, insomnia. So well, that I was able to take care of with, you know, a prescription medication. So you can improve your quality of life by, in, you know, increments. Um, but yeah, I guess that's, that's a grab bag of advice. Well, last time we had, talked a little bit about trying to find out why since then because also last time you were dealing with crippling fatigue we hadn't even got into the insomnia chat yet so maybe that was after we had talked have you got an answer why why you were predispositioned to have this happen or are you past the point of caring why you're just dealing with the what yeah i mean that, that it, it's a great i mean it's not completely unknown like if you have um you know, if you've uh, if you if you carry if you're a carrier of the Epstein Barre virus, like a lot of um, a lot of long COVID cases are sort of reactivation mm -hmm. of um, of that. Um, so that that could be one thing that would predispose you. Um, but there's there's probably some genetic stuff as well. You know, when I I got COVID, I gave it to my wife. You know, I was like much you know when in with the acute illness, I went through it much more. Than my wife did and she did not end up with long COVID and I did. So um, it's got to be probably some kind of genetic component, mm. but that to the best of my knowledge has not been unraveled. Mm. Yeah. I've seen bar viruses like for people who don't know, let's call it a version of mono. We'll call it maybe a little lesser grade, but a very compromising underlying virus that can knock people back. We'll call it as from what my understanding is. And if you resurface yeah. that that can be involved with it i've been quite aware of that over the years but my my concern with andrew yep. is so like he kept hitting the wall hitting the wall like i feel like shit i feel like shit like what's going on my metrics are going the wrong way and i feel awful finally we had sort of deducted this was the case he went to the doctor multiple times anyways he took t two weeks off was like well, let's just chill and we've returned to training with a lesser number of run days and I'm, we're not overwhelming him and he's feeling like he's at least not as bad as he was. But I think, you know, my worry is that just what you had said, that's great advice. Like you can't really listen to your now. You have to almost get ahead of the fatigue or the delayed 
hammer swing back from your effort. So I'm yep. like, we're only like three, four weeks back. And so I'm very yep. curious how that'll play out. So that was actually really helpful for me to hear. I'm going to be very in tune with him and how he's responding because the delayed effect could be real. So that's actually yep. that grab bag of advice was good for me. That's good. I'll take that into consideration. <clears throat> right on. Yeah. Right on. Bracken, do you want to, should we move into uh, what I want to talk about today? Or do you want to, do you want to slap anything else at Matt to start? <laughs> <laughs> now let's move into <laughs> why we're here i suppose we've covered wasps we've covered gasoline <laughs> long covid we can move on for a bit before we get sidetracked well matt and i have a common uh friend we will call it um now because so my client diane miller and friend diane miller who was on our podcast matt i don't know if you had a chance to listen to her episode with us but she basically just laid brat gabe bracken and i a, a a good what shellacking for not understanding the in quote slow mm-hmm. people. We did an episode for what we call the slow runners and we missed the mark. And so Diane, Dan yes. came on and yep. kind of laid into us. And, it was, yep. and so our listeners know who Diane is, is what I'm getting at. And then Diane has got you and Diane have gotten to know mm-hmm. each other um, because she's been involved with dream run camp. She's done, she's gone out and participated in some of your um, events and things like that. And so Matt, you come up in conversation from time to time and I know you and Diane talk and she's been going through knee surgery and her second cleanup. And, you know, she has her good days and her bad, we will call it, but her Northern light is going to dream run camp. And so dream run camp has been sort of her carrot, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and this is a newer endeavor for you. And then, so I've gotten to know what dream run camp is through Diane on the surface level, Bracken, I don't know how aware you are of Dream Run Camp, but like a pretty sweet thing. Like Matt Fitzgerald isn't just sitting around eating bonbons and writing books. Like Matt Fitzgerald is also like getting dirty with like the running community and like going beyond just literature, right? And so I thought we'd talk about all that. And I know you have some people. That's going to be the title. <laughs> what? That's going to be the title of the episode. Matt Fitzgerald's getting dirty with the running community. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of chemicals in my body right now. So with that long, <laughs> with that long introduction, sorry to be long-winded. Hopefully the listeners are up to speed, and that's why we're here chatting today. So I don't know where you want to start with that, and I don't know what your initiative with people of different races as well as far as um, the run community goes, but you have some cool stuff going on. I thought it'd be worth chatting out. And if Diane's pumped about Dream Rum Camp, I think other people will be too. So do we want to start with like that idea, that concept, the Dream Run Camp? uh how it started all that what it is yeah yeah i mean it started with an experience i had in 2017 um you know a lot lot of people who fall in love with running or honestly any sport you you have that like that that fantasy of going pro or just you know like you know what would it be like Uh, you you look at the pros in whatever sport is yours um you know running for us and you're like man what that's the life like i would love to you know, just go all the way and see how good I could be or see what the experience would be like to just have my entire life revolve around running for a period of time. And so in 2017, I, I just decided, you know, what? I'm a, I was 46 years old at the time and I was having a little bit of a renaissance with my running. And I'm like, I'm just going to do this. So um, I had read uh, George Plimpton's book, Paper Lion, where uh, back in the early 1960s, he convinced the coach of the Detroit Lions football team to allow him to participate fully in one of their summer training camps, as as he called it, their last string quarterback. 
and then he wrote he wrote a book about it, like a memoir about like this. He was a fake professional football player, and then they made a movie about it. And I'm like, I'm going to do that with running. So I reached out to Ben Rosario, the coach of the Northern Arizona Elite um, pro pro team here in Flagstaff, Arizona, and I I ran this crackpot idea by him. He said yes. I came out here, spent 13 weeks with the team, and they were hands down the best 13 weeks of my life. And I've had a good life. Um, and so I, I blogged about it um, daily while I was go, uh, going through the experience, just trying to allow other runners to live out this fantasy vicariously through me. And then I wrote a book about the experience called Running the Dream. Um, and Dream Run Camp was really just my way of like taking it even further. It's like, it's one thing to like see the experience I had through my eyes by reading my book. It's another thing to get to come to Flagstaff yourself and live live out a version of exactly the same experience I had. So that is that is that is how Dream Run Camp was born. I love it. <laughs> because we've we've both tried to do that thing. Like balance mm-hmm. real life, try to make a bit of a living running. And you get little glimpses. We were at such a low level of it that we got like the tip dipping our toes in the water, seeing what actually was out there in the deep end. But whether you're tr- whether you're good at it or bad at it, you kind of live the same experience, like doubling, tripling, big volume, not working, whatever it is. It's it's the same whether you're fast or slow, but it gives you insight into how the fast of the fastest of the fast truly live. And then there is nothing that brings you closer to anyone like a training camp. I guess why they make remember the Titans and movies like that. Like you can compress so much life down into training camp. That mm-hmm. yep. it takes years of getting to know someone in bonding and compresses it into a, sh- a small amount of time. So I love the idea that you're giving people that that taste. Yep. I mean, I love the idea too. Um, and, you know, it's sort of like the point I was trying to make when, you know, I mean, I, I, let's be honest, I was just living out a personal <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> but also like there, there was like I had a mission which was because so so many so many runners sort of like disqualify themselves from going all the way with the running like the passion is there but they're like well well I'm too slow it like to 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 I don't deserve to go all the way with my running cuz I'm not gifted or because I started late or you know because I'm older or whatever and that annoyed me cuz like I gave myself permission yeah I was a above average runner but I wasn't I wasn't elite mm-hmm. um and and I wanted other runners to uh there's um so I have these are all around the house where Dream Run Camp um is uh is headquartered. I have these like Matt Fitzgeraldisms, like these like framed kind of poster things, and and one of them, which is basically the motto for Dream Run Camp, is uh, let your passion, not your ability, decide how far you go. And like mm. that is the ethos of Dream Run Camp. Just saying, like like if passion is the equalizer, like if if you love the sport, then you're the same. <laughs> um, talent really has nothing to do with it. So what I'm trying to do is um you know, get runners to, who have a passion for the sport. I mean, Diane is like, she is my market, right? You know, so, mm-hmm. you know, she, I mean, she ran a little bit in high school, but then she got back into it in her fifties um, is, you know, sort of like a mid to back of the pack runner. And, but like that passion is there. And so she's exactly the kind of runner I'm trying to reach and, and, and just say like, get rid of all those barriers that, that are, you know, either like you feel you're putting up yourself or you feel like the sport is putting up between you and living out the passion, let's just get that out of the way and, and freaking go for it. I will, I, I, I will facilitate. <laughs> and so what does that look like? When, when you get there, I went to a cross-country camp in high school. We've mm-hmm. had some friends in this space host, you know, weekend camps and 
come train like the pros with the pros, see how we do it. What is your version of this? What does the dream, the dream run camp actually entail? Yep. I mean, obviously there are a lot of running camps out there. Like, you know, particularly I've been involved in, in lots of different adult running camps. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're all great. Um, uh, but they're, they're most of them are pretty similar. Like they're three to four days, like maybe a week on, on the outside. And, you know, you can have like a truly magical, unforgettable experience at one of these camps, but you can't transform as a runner in four days. It's just not going to happen. So what's the, you know, the, the main difference between dream run camp and those uh, other camps is that this one's more of a residential type of thing where you actually you're not you're not staying here you're living here <laughs> um mm-hmm. and that's why I, I the minimum stay is one week um if, if you can't if you can't come for at least a week don't bother but and you can also stay for up to 12 weeks here it's like so basically a full training cycle i haven't gotten anyone to to do that yet it's not something that that everyone can do uh, but I've had a number of people here for three to four weeks so that's like i mean you're you're kind of moving in mm-hmm. um and um, and just uh, and truly and, and and we are we are partnered with NAZ Elite, so um, you get opportunities just like I did in 2017 to you know run quote unquote with the pros, you know to meet them, to interact with them, to like to do your own workout in the same place at the same time as the pros, which is just a lot of people they don't really realize how awesome that experience is until they they have it, um, and then and you can you can avail yourself of the uh, the support staff that you know the same you know, the same strength coach uh, or massage therapist or dietitian or sports psychologist that the pros are going to, you get to work one-on-one with those professionals while you're here. Um, and, you know, the house is just like, it's like, you know, so it's, it's actually, I, I run this business out of my wife's and my home. So we just, we bought a property here and we live here in a, like a, an attached guest house. So we have our own, we have our privacy, but then, you know, that the house inside and outside is just, it's like a, it's like a runner's, fantasy retreat. So I've got like a full commercial quality gym in the garage, got a mind body recovery lounge with, you know, a massage table and a hyperbaric chamber and like all, you know, the the Norma tech boots and all that stuff. Um, We got, I mean, all of the art is like, it's a Flagstaff runners hall of fame. There's a library that's like all running books. Um, Like as soon as you walk in the door, there's like all these shoe cubbies for your dirty shoes. Um, we've got a spa pool outside with an underwater treadmill, got a, like a, a, a sauna, Jeez. um, for like heat, heat training. Like it's just, it's just completely pimped out. Like, yeah, yeah, it um, is amazing. It's not misnamed. <laughs> no. And I want to nope. actually ask a lot of questions about it all, but really quickly before we get too far ahead of something, I, and then I want to go into all this. It's, it's unbelievable. This is why I wanted to talk about this Bracken, because this yeah. is like, you want to go live the pro life and really find out what it's like and what you're made of, like this is the way to do it. Uh, with access to one of the best training camp teams in the country, it's it's unbelievable. But I want to know through your eyes, Matt, really quickly, or not quickly, what did you, like what was it about you going and running with NA Elite? Like what were the things that you, like, you felt like personally? Because obviously you felt inspired to like replicate this experience, which means it was profound for you. But like, through your eyes, what were the big difference makers for you having access to basically what you're giving now, like regular people in quotes access to? Like, what was the what were the big game changers for you through that experience personally? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I would just, I just, I mean, the number one thing is like, like I was exactly 
where I wanted to be. Like I would show up to every, you know, team, team group run with this shit eating grin on my face. Just like, I, I remember after my very first run with the team, like my wife is not a runner, but she would come and walk our dog while I ran with the team every day. And I remember after the first run, I got back to the car and I, I whispered to my wife and talked to you like, I can't believe I'm getting away with this <laughs> because like that, and that feeling like never went away. It was just like, um, it's just, you know, I mean, and, and I should say that like my, I mean, so at the very end of the, these 13 weeks, I actually got to run the Chicago marathon as a pro. Some strings were pulled for me. And I was like, I was on the start line of a 40,000 person marathon, like right behind Galen Rupp, who won the damn, damn race. Like I ran with a pro bib. I had access to the elite bottle stations, everything. And I PR'd in that marathon. It was my 41st marathon. My, my PR was nine years old and I hadn't come within eight minutes of it in nine years. So to say that it worked out for my running, I mean, it, it, it actually, what I, what I was able to achieve, I, I considered impossible going into it. As knowledgeable as I am, I, I'm like, oh, there's absolutely no way I'm going to beat my, my PR by uh, two minutes at, at 46. So, you know, and so, you know, it worked really well for my running, but I think a big part of the reason it worked is like, I was just so happy. I, I was just so happy to be there and just like, and the environment was a huge part of that. I mean, Flagstaff is the, I've been all around the world running and it's like, to me, it's like the best place on earth to run. And then to be surrounded by these people who are just like dedicating their lives to it. Like you can't, it's impossible to quantify. Um, and uh, there were so many things that made a difference. You know, I lost nine pounds while I was here. I had never trained at altitude before. I had a fantastic coach. You know, I got injured halfway through it and made it like what I considered a miraculous recovery because I was able to put myself in the hands of, you know, their you know, physiotherapy staff who just worked wonders on me. So it's like a lot of different ingredients. But if you look, if you imagine like a pie chart, like a multicolored pie chart with like, you know, slices representing all the different factors that, that led to. Uh, the uh, the final outcome, like the biggest slice would be just like, just how happy I was, just how lit up I was just, just to be there. Um, so that, that was honestly a number one for me. And it's that this thing, like you, you have to experience it. Like it's, it's really hard to sell that. You know, I, I made like a promo video and I have a nice website and, you know, but people really come not really anticipating that element. Like you have to experience it, but people do. You know, when they're here for a few weeks at a time and they're, they're, they're in this environment, they're around the pros, the same magic, you can, you can see it, you know, just uh, like seeping into them and they have that same shit-eating grin on their face and it ends up manifesting in improvement in running. These camps sound like they fix the one glaring flaw in most camps, whether it's run camp, church camp, outward bound, doesn't matter what it is. It burns bright. You leave on a high and real life pulls you back down within days or weeks. It just can't sustain you. You have people have life-changing moments, but rarely does the life actually change afterwards because it's too small of a snapshot of time. It's just the honeymoon period and then it's done. And you guys have taken the opposite approach. And I don't know of another camp for running that does that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting comment. Cause you know, you know, we, we only opened our doors in May. So we have like, you know, we have a small but growing community of like dream run camp alumni. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's so far the numbers manageable that I can keep in touch with folks. Um, but to your point, I have, I have found, um, uh, take this with a grain of salt considering the source, but like, I have found that like that momentum, people are sustaining it. Like, yeah, there's probably a bit of a come down. I mean, like for some folks, it's really hard for them to leave. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know, 
is like, I don't want to go home. You know, I've had at least one person who's like, who's going to move to Flagstaff because of the experience wow. she had here. Um, but I have, I, 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 I just catch up with folks who've come through the camp every now and then. And, and, you know, uh, you know, it seems like a plurality of them are sustaining a kind of momentum coming out of the experience and just like not sliding back all the way to where they were, you know, pre dream run camp. What do you think the biggest thing when somebody comes like for you, it was the shit eating grin and you were happy to be there. And so you just approached every day with vigor, I'm assuming, <laughs> right? Like you, you had gratitude and you approach every day with enthusiasm and you oh, do yeah. that every day and suddenly like things start to shake and move and change. What do you think the most eye-opening mm-hmm. like experience, like so far the people who have attended, like, what do you think the biggest thing is like, whoa, I didn't expect that or whoa, like this is how they really do it or this is how the lifestyle really is. Like, what do you think would be the biggest like sort of epiphanies that people have had so far? Yeah, there's one, you know, I, you know, when I game this out, you know, so I had this vision and then I made it real. And, uh, you know, in planning it, I tried to imagine um, sort of like some of the realities. I, I wanted, I didn't, I wouldn't, didn't want to have, I wanted to have as few, um, you know, nasty surprises as, as possible. So my greatest fear was that people would come here and be bored, that they would be understimulated because, you know, if you do a three or four day camp, um, you know, you're, it, your days are packed, right? Like, it's just like, you're, you're getting in two runs and a strength workout and like group activities and like maybe a little free time or downtime here and there, but you know, the, the, the schedule is just chock-a-block. Um, that's not the dream run camp model. I mean, it's like, and I try to message that and set expectations with folks. Um, actually there's like, I had this huge custom banner made for the garage slash gym. It's on a wall there. And it's my unofficial motto of Dream Run Camp, which is this ain't Disneyland. <laughs> um, and the idea there is like, you know, in order to have the kind of experience I had um, as a fake pro runner, y- you need to co-create this experience. Like you don't just buy a ticket, show up and go for a ride. Like I'm going to absolutely do my part, but you have to do your part as well. You have to come in and and just throw yourself into it. But the, in, in point of fact, like, you know, so there's a, a few structured touch points uh, throughout the day. You know, a group run every morning, coaches' office hours in the afternoon. I facilitate, you know, recovery stuff or use of the pool or whatever in between. We usually hang out in the evening together. But there's a lot of time where it's like you're on your own. And I worried that people would just have an expectation that like, where's Matt? You know, where, why isn't Matt holding my hand? But and, and what but that hasn't happened. Um, and what people have found is to answer your question, mm-hmm. Kirk, is um they slow down. Like um, that, that is like that. When you think of like the pro lifestyle, you tend to focus on like, Oh, you know, the 120 miles of running per week. And like, you know, like all the ancillary um, stuff you do on the side, but a big part of what allows the pros to perform at such a high level is that it's a pretty quiet. There's a lot of space in, in the day. Like, so it's like when you're not running, like you're also not just running around and, and the, the lifestyle here is, slower and quieter and 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 i have i've heard you know i've heard it from a number of of dream runners at this point it's just like you know and they'll be tracking like their sleep metrics and like their hrv and all this stuff and the metrics are saying that like they are just you know recovering really well and that they're just they're just um you know they're just becoming like centered and relaxed and feeling great and it has to do with the fact that like you know, we're all just racing around like chickens with their heads cut off in our everyday lives at home. And that's just not the way it is here. Um, and that, that it was a little bit, so it was, it was funny. I like, 
I expected it to be a negative, possibly a negative for some people. Like I'm bored, mm -hmm. um, but it's actually turned about out to be uh, one of the, the the greatest positives. It's a it's a tough thing to wrap your mind around early on. I, I spent a year and a half in Colorado Springs trying to race for my living. And early on, it's like, what are we going to do? We're going to try to schedule things. And you quickly fall into the routine that you get into when you when you like go camping. Where afternoon number one, you're like, what activities are you going to do? And by the end, you're just sitting <laughs> in a chair next to someone talking. And three yeah, hours go yeah. by and you didn't realize it. Or you're playing a card game, yeah. kind of paying attention. Or like, the things that probably humans used to do before right. they were self-involved start yeah. happening again. And it, you slip into this crazy rhythm of, I can't really identify what I did for like four or five of my hours today, but it was glorious. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's exactly right. <laughs> I can see that happen. The mis like I'm going to go there and I'm going to burn the candle at both ends and all I'm going to do is grind my axe as far down as I can because that's what the warriors of the endurance space do. <laughs> and you're right. Anytime I've gone and hung out with a pro in quotes athlete, it's morning workout, it's some ancillary pieces, it's lunch, it's nap time every single day, it's afternoon workout, it is like an ebb and flow, like you almost feel like you're like not irresponsible, but lazy, even though you're working the hardest you have in who knows how long, <laughs> there's like this sort of lethargy underneath it where it's like, it's okay, like we want you to go hang in your room and do nothing. If that means scroll social media for a half an hour with no point or place to be until three hours from now, like that is productive, believe it or not. Because I remember like the, the old, you know, Seb Coe, I remember watching a documentary on him and, you know, he was a, a pretty big pioneer in the middle distance space. And he was just using the reference of like what they're asking, what he doesn't during the day. And he's like, like, do you think I go grocery shopping or I go to the mall? Like, and hang out. He's like, it's a terrible waste of my time and energy. No. Like, I train, I rest, and then I train again. Right? That's how you put all the energy available into your fitness. And I think that's what a lot of people probably don't realize, you know. And that can go back to how burnt people are on the day-to-day, -day, uh, you know, and not even realizing. It's not just your training. It's what's happening in between it as well. So that's just an interesting – it's interesting you touched on that. I, I didn't expect that as your answer. Yep. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, it was a little bit unexpected for me too. And, it, you know, it probably the way I present it, it almost sounds like, well, that does, that does seem boring. Mm -hmm. But like people aren't bored. Like, you know, we've had people who are just like, you know, they try the hyperbaric chamber and they're like, this is cool. And then they're in it for 45 minutes a day, every day after their run. And like, there's a little like, a, you know, little bit, bit of time around it. So like, that's an hour where you're just like, I mean, it's a chamber, you know, just like it's like this barely coffin size. Well, it's a little bigger than that. But it's like, you just, I mean, you have to relax in there. You just go inside, like take a book with you. People nap. Uh, they're not going to get stuck in there because I keep a timer on them. But like, or the people get a lot of reading done. So it's like, it's not like, you know, it's like, yeah, it's quiet and, and slow, but also it's like, you know, before you know it, it's dinner time. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, so the days, like, they, there's like, there's, they feel rich. They feel rich and full, but they're also, you know, quiet and relaxed and centering for people. I mean, you know, it's hard to really understand just how fucked up our lifestyle is until you do something else. And then you look back at it and, and you're like, wow, like, you know, the life I consider normal is like really not normal like dream run camp is normal <laughs> you talked about how you had to temper people's expectations coming in that you're not going to be catered to i'm not just going to be with you the whole time but 
On the other hand, most of the time anyone's ever heard you, it's through an audiobook or a podcast and you're delivering information and you're they're consuming your books and was it an adjustment for you to realize you don't have to be on the whole time either? Was was that tough at first to balance that if someone's here, I need to be delivering? Was that hard to just be you rather than the delivery system of information? Yeah, I mean, I, I was concerned about that before we had our very first runner come through and then it went away instantly really? because, um, yeah, just because it's what I want to be doing. You know, like, I, you know, I have other responsibilities. It's not like I just stopped writing books or shut down my other business or anything like mm-hmm. that. Like I have to get computer time in during the day. But often when I'm, when I am, you know, I just, I I get up very early every morning and just crank for two hours before, you know, I emerge from my lair. And, um, and so, but often I'll be here in front of my computer working on something and I, um, like I feel pulled toward the runners in the house. So, um, I think the experience that they are having is like, they're actually getting more of me than they thought they would. Um, and that's, that's a big part of it. Like, you know, I, I'm a big fan of this concept of servant leadership. I think that's really what coaching is. And I really enjoy like serving the, the athletes who are here. So like often like, you know, they'll, we'll be having dinner together. And as soon as their, their plate is empty, I grab it and wash it for them. And I want them to see me doing that. Not that that's necessarily on my job description or like helping them into and out of the hyperbaric chamber or whatever. I, I, I want, I want to be sort of in that, servant role, but also at the same time in, in that leadership role. Um, and you know, I, I mean, people who come here, they get all of me. I can't help it. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's like, um, I, you know, I'm just, I enjoy it so much and it's so rewarding and you see the impact you're, you're having, you know, one, one thing, I think a lot of people who've maybe read a, a book or two of mine, they come here thinking, Oh, I'm going to get a lot of tips from Matt. And it's like, yeah, they get some tips, but also I really connect with people on a, on a whole human level. Um, you know, I, I share a lot about myself. Um, I'm an open book and that like, that makes, uh, the people who come here feel comfortable opening up and sharing a lot of their stuff because it's, it's all connected, right? It's a, it's a, you invest all of you into your, your running. And so I think that's, that's something that, um, you know, again, from feedback I've gotten from runners that, um, they feel like they're getting actually, even though I'm not with them all day, they, they're actually getting more of me than they expected coming in. How do you not respect that? That's what I think. I love that. I love that. I want, um, my natural curiosity leads me then just with everything you've talked about. Like, could you, I know not, it's not like Groundhog's Day, right? Like every day at Dream Run Camp is the same, but if you could walk, walk us, th- I'm genuinely curious for honestly selfish reasons. What, what, uh, what is a, yep. what's a day like for the athlete? What, what walk me through so alarm clock to shut eye. What, what does it look like? Yep. Yep. In a, a typical day, um, we, um, we connect at s- about seven thirty in the morning. Um, and, uh, we hop in the, the dream machine, uh, as I've dubbed it. Um, I bought this really cool, uh, Mazda has like a new, uh, plug-in hybrid uh, with third row seating. It's like a big, big SUV. And um, so we just pile in. It can fit um, like up seven people. And then we'll drive to um, like, I mean, Flagstaff, it's just an embarrassment of riches for like beautiful places to run. So I've, I've had people stay here for three weeks and never run in the same location twice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have like, just like a greatest hits. And we'll, depending on what people are in the mood for or what day of the week it is, we'll just go to a different place 
do a group run. I can't run because of long COVID, but my assistant coach, Lauren, uh, often will run with, um, with someone. Um, and then we'll get back to the house. Um, and then I will usually facilitate some kind of recovery stuff. Someone gets, t- people take turns with the hyperbaric chamber or, or pop, hop onto the, which I haven't met, mentioned yet, vibroacoustic therapy bed or, or what have you. Um, some people just head to the gym and like do some strength stuff or, you know, some mobility stuff. Right, sorry um, to interrupt. Are they then, encouraged to do? And then the next, like, are they struck- encouraged to do these things? So they wake up, you'd bring them somewhere to run. That's always a given. Like if you're capable of running twice a day, for example, yep. you're going to participate in the morning run. If not, maybe you can cross train at the yep. gym or what I'm assuming. Right. But like, how are, how are the athletes yep. like, okay, we returned from our run. How does one decide to go do strength work? And one decides to do the hyperbaric chamber. Like, is there an itinerary or is it like a, Yep. Like a measure of suggestions. I guess I'm curious about that before we move forward with the day. Yep. Yeah. I just give folks like a menu of options and like I'll, I'll encourage folks, Hey, you know, at least try the hyperbaric chamber. Like if you're not claustrophobic <laughs> or, um, and so, yeah, I'll, I'll introduce people to, to the options, but also I ask them like, what would you like to do? You know, some folks just like, you know, we've had introverts who just want to go read or something. Um, and then, you know, like, you know, I'll just quiz them about, you know, there's, there's like touristy stuff you can do if you feel like it. Um, you know, like some, like there's like a ton of great coffee shops in Flagstaff. So there are people who just want to hit the top five and, you know, I'll, I'll facilitate that. We have this whole like athlete guide that you get a PDF before you Mm -hmm. come here that just sort of helps people set, set them up to make the best possible use of their time here. Um, so it's very individual and, um, but people tend to quickly fall into a routine, um, where they're, they just like, oh, this is what I like to do between 10 and two mm-hmm. every day. And, and so there'll be a little bit of a, uh, a routine to that, uh, for them. And then the next structured touch point is coach's office hours at, at 4 PM. And, um, you know, the way it's, that's taken shape, uh, the idea was yet that I, we would just shoot the breeze and talk running and life, but. Um, most days I end up actually presenting on some topic. So like a question will come up or like, um, a runner who's staying here will be running up against some kind of barrier obstacle. And I'll just riff on that topic. Sometimes I even throw up like a quick PowerPoint or something or show a video. And then we just kind of open it up to a discussion. And then that, that tends to bleed right into, uh, an early dinner and just kind of a, an evening hangout. Um, so you like from, usually from 4 p.m. till bedtime, we're, we're together. Just that's the way it has worked out. And then there are days of the week where there's something unique going on. There's like a Thursday morning bagel run here. It's just like an all-comers community run, a Flagstaff tradition. Friday afternoon, NAZ Elite hosts a community run. Um, usually at least twice a week in addition to that, uh, we'll meet up um, – with NEZ Elite. So I'll just, I'm in contact with their coaches. It's like, hey, you're doing inter- anything interesting on Tuesday. And we might just, you know, drive out to Mountain Shadows, which is a place where they like to do speed work. And we'll do our thing. They'll do their thing. Um, Farmer's Market on Sunday. Um, Thursday evening is um, live from Dream Run Camp where we'll bring uh, a local pro or coach or other luminary in the local running community, or even maybe a pro who's just here for an altitude training stint. They'll come to the house and do a live Q&A that we also live stream on YouTube. So there is like, yeah, there's a little bit of like, you know, every day is the same in, in certain respects, but there's also some unique kind of one-offs across the week as well. That sounds like the full experience. <laughs> it's enough yep. scripted that that's what people do. You know, in Colorado Springs, that was my glimpse into it. People all went to the farmer's market. You know, that's, they were, yep. <laughs> there were group runs. They were individual runs. That's that is what happened. People will get together and drive into Denver and go to the recovery studio there and get in the 
uh, cold and hot therapy tubs and you're, you're giving them the full experience. It sounds like. Yep. Yeah. And then the one thing I left out is like, uh, before folks come here, like if they want to take advantage of any of the, uh, you know, and the support staff, um, you know, strength coach, dietitian, whatever, we'll set up those appointments ahead of time. And often, you know, I'll chauffeur them to one of those appointments. So that that's usually something like that is usually going on during the day. As Are well. those staff you provide, you work with, is that NAZ or is that someone outside that you just have connected with? Yeah, the the idea I wanted to put, I wanted to have the same the same folks I worked mm. with. Um, um, so there's, and that's the, that's the case for AJ Greg, um, the uh, strength coach, and um, um, and uh, the uh, the massage therapist also. That a lot of the the pros with the team, Brandy, uh, work with. Um, but the the sports psychologist I worked with and was affiliated with the team, she moved away. So I, I found someone else who was equally terrific. Um, so that, that was like, you know, a new person. And then uh, they don't have their own team dietitian, uh, but there's um, this uh, really, really, really awesome, someone I, I didn't even know before I opened up Dream Run Camp, Abby Chan. She has a, she's a, 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 um, a dietitian, sports dietitian here in town. And she actually has her own fresh meal delivery service, which checks another box for us because, you know, people don't necessarily want to come here and do a lot of cooking. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's so turnkey. Like, you know, they're just really tasty, really high quality, nutritious meals, like, and they're just delivered to our door. And then, and then Abby is also the person who, you know, creates those recipes is the, is the person that folks meet with if they want to meet with a dietitian. Okay. So you've just, Kirk and I built our own home gyms. You know, we've, we've lived this life long enough to have priced out almost everything you've talked about (laughs) (laughs) to the point where one, any one of those machines would be something we'd invest in. You have them all. How is this all funded? (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, um, I, uh, I mean, I'll tell you, um, so, you know, we sold our house in California, um, and, and so that provided some funding. Um, my family have just serendipitously sold a family home. Um, around the same time this was coming together. Um, and uh, we just all shared <laughs> the proceeds from that sale. And that was a- another source. And then um, some savings. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's funny. I, I, I felt like very, very comfortable financially before <laughs> Dream Run Camp. Little little less so now. Just like I, I've, um, you know, because I'm not, you know, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. So definitely um, have, you know, stretch myself a little bit. I mean, the, the landscaping was just, you know, I was very naive about <laughs> how much that, that would cost, but like, so worth it. Um, okay. So, so yeah, it was, um, that wasn't my question. I, I didn't think that's the question I was asking. <laughs> I assumed okay. I was asking who helped with this, what companies, what investment oh, yeah. partners do you have? You did this yourself. Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, well, then I apologize yeah, if that came off as a bit obtuse <laughs> or aggressive. I, I assumed this was presented through or you had a, a board that was helping you with this. The, the, there aren't investors here. No, I, it's just, um, you know, initially, actually, when I first got this idea and I wanted to go ahead with it, I did recruit a couple of, of partners um, so we were just going to go all uh, in, in on it together and we got pretty far that down the road of like looking at properties and, and finding one we thought we wanted to pull the trigger on. Um, but then it was very unexpected. My, my wife said, well, you know, cause obviously like she's getting dragged along with this thing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was sensitive to like, you know, her opinion. Um, and I, I just assumed that like, she would not be willing to sell our house in California. 
Uh, but one day she just volunteered that she was. And, and then my thinking was, well, if, if we're only going to have one home, we were going to divide our time. So I would be in California part of the year and, and here the rest of the year, like sort of in season. Um, but that, so I'm like, well, that's great. Um, so that, that, that gives us another source of, of funding. But then I thought, well, if we're only going to have one home, do I really want two other people to own part, part of like my mm-hmm. only, my only um, piece of real estate? So then I just decided, and no bridges were burned, but I just talked to my partners. I'm like, you know, I just don't feel super comfortable. Um, I just want, I just want to own this thing. Uh, so they're, they're still like involved as sort of advisors, but I just decided just, I, I like the idea of just, um, it's more risk for me, but I, I like the idea of just having total control where just like if, if I had a vision, I didn't have to ask anyone else's permission to execute on it. So we do have um, we have lots of sponsors uh, and partners, but it's like none of it is cash because mm-hmm. um, it's like I'm just saying it's such a small scale. I mean, I, I think I really deliver for for our partners, but, um, you know, they've supplied, you know, product, you know, and then, you know, if this thing. Uh, if this thing grows and word spreads about it, I think, you know, there is a lot of goodwill surrounding it. Mm. Um, and over time, you know, you know, partners will probably sponsors will see more in it. Um, and then, you know, down the road, maybe um, there could be transactions. Oh. Uh, not yet. <laughs> so very different. So you have flexibility then to do what you want, recommend what you want, change your opinion on that the next week if you want. This isn't a, a corporate mandate coming down of how we deliver what we deliver. No, and that, that's that's key for me because like for me, like the vision was just so complete and so clear. Mm-hmm. I just didn't, I didn't want anyone else's opinion really. I mean, I've gotten like good advice um, from, from folks and I've used folk, people as sounding boards. I mean, I, I definitely had to, you know, some of the operational stuff involved in entrepreneurship, you know, starting a business, I didn't have a lot of experience with, like, you know, I had to learn QuickBooks <laughs> and stuff like that. And so I've had people, um, you know, just help me out with, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not a completely a lone wolf, mm-hmm. but but I do I do have control over the big decisions and, and the little ones. Um, yep. Very different than writing a book and making your living that way, is it not? I mean, the risk of writing a book is the time spent doing it when you could have been working a punch clock job and making money. And then the risk is, well, after I write it, will it sell? And will this pay dividends in the future? Whereas like this concept is like, I have to invest my money in this right away and then hope that eventually this comes back <laughs> around on the back end. That process is just so, so different. So that has to feel like the biggest risk you've taken in your, at least, I don't know what you did before writing, but that has to be the biggest risk you've taken in your career, huh? Something like this, the biggest leap of faith or no? Yeah. I mean, in, in, in one respect it is, but I mean, I mean, you know, when I, when I was 24 years old and I, I, I went to college in the Philadelphia area and I just decided to move to California, to San Francisco specifically, never having set foot there in my life. And like, I quit my job. I, you know, I, uh, you know, ended my lease in my apartment there. I had no savings. I had no job lined up. I didn't know anybody. I just showed up in San Francisco one day. And like, that was very risky. Yeah. <laughs> I had less, I had less to lose because I had, I had nothing. Um, but you know, I really struggled like my first, my first few months in San Francisco, like I, I really struggled and, um, but I survived and you know, what that taught me was like, well, that's pretty much the worst that can happen (laughs) when you, when you take a risk that is not just an arbitrary one, but it's like, you're sort of following your, 
you know, I had reasons for wanting to move to, to San Francisco. And so that's really the way I've lived. Well, that's, that's, that's how my career has unfolded ever since. I, I have a very high tolerance for, for risk and I, I've bottomed out a few times. And again, each time I just, all right, well, that's the worst that can happen. And just, it, all, it only reinforces, you know, that like this, that this formula is fine. Um, it, you know, it's, it can be messy at times. So, and I will say also with this, I mean, there's a good chance I wouldn't have done this if I hadn't developed a chronic illness because um, I, you know, just like, you know, I was suffering deeply uh, with long COVID and even sort of like kind of retired at one point. I just, my brain wasn't working. And, you know, when you suffer that much for so long, it really changes the way you calculate about, you know, life decisions. And and so like, I, I feel like almost like someone who's like on borrowed time or, um, I, I sort of think like a dying person, <laughs> honestly, just to be morbid. And it's just like, you know, if not now, when it's like, mm. honestly, who cares? Like, so it's just, it's just not as scary for me as it might be for, for someone else. Like, um, I'm just, I, I, I have, I, you know, I, I experience stress, but, I, but the stress is mostly around smaller stuff. It's not like, oh, this whole thing could tank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I don't really worry too much about that. Honestly. Wow. It's interesting perspective yeah to have that dying man's perspective while not being a dying man in theory yep yeah allegedly yeah well i feel like i feel like i started dying and then just sort of like plateaued at like 30 percent dead <laughs> sustainable death yes <laughs> why are we laughing at this <laughs> because it's it's, it's, matt fitzgerald is sustainably dead <laughs> What is wrong with us? <laughs> uh, um, I wanted to pivot from this. I had another follow-up, but okay, I'm going to just pivot only because that's, I mean, the risk aversion thing is interesting. When I left my corporate job in 2010 to start a personal training business, I mean, I got very firm call from my mother, my sister being like, you're an idiot. What are you doing? You have something safe and you're choosing to risk it all. And I did. I went down to less than a thousand bucks in my bank account, had to have help with my rent a couple months in a row. And people continually questioned my decision. But really, like bottoming out isn't so bad as long as you're ambitious and you're motivated, then you pivot. Right. And you find another way. We don't need to dwell on that. But that was my personal. I agree with your take on that. Um, People listening are going to be wanting to know this, Matt. Uh, they assume they're going to go to dream run camp or any camp. They want to know what the workouts are. What am I going to be doing with my body when I'm there that I'm going, that I wouldn't be doing on my own. Right? Like you talk about the morning run and going to these pretty awesome places. You talk about joining an NAZ elite, uh, at the same time or doing a similar or modified version of their workout. Can you like, like, how are the training decisions made? And like, what might those look like? Like people like understand easy runs, right? They better after reading your book if they don't get lost. But I'm talking about yep. I'm talking about the flash, right? The stuff that that they are probably coming for part of them, right? Like they want that part. What does that What does that look yep. like? How are those decisions made? Yeah. So I mean, um, yeah. On that level, you almost like you. It's almost impossible to come here and spend a few weeks and not get a boost out of it. Right. Um, and so that's the thing, a message I, cause people said they show up and like, yeah, exactly that. Like what are the workouts? I'm like, honestly, if you just show up here and do a bunch of running, you are going to, <laughs> your fitness is going to move forward. If you just like immerse yourself and just come to the trail with the rest of the group, do what your body's ready for 
and then stack another day on top of it that looks about the same. So that's like baseline. It's just and, and it's hard. It's hard for people to understand that. Um, but it's just like just coming here, being here, immersing yourself. Um, you know, you're going to benefit from the altitude. You're going to be putting in like sneaky volume. You know, um, people tend to like just they're they're just instantly more um, more consistent. And um, you know, I do uh, I do. Uh, ride them pretty hard about like, you know, taking their easy runs truly easy. But then, yeah, so there is the flash. So, um, you know, often when we work out at the same time and place as any of the elite, I will give, I will give the runners, the dream runners, like a version of that same workout. So they get a little taste of what the pros are doing. And also like, you know, I love, you know, I've just, I've, I've collected and created so many workouts over the years. Like I I have a, a huge trove of, of runs that I know, you know, 95% chance that people come here, they've never done this workout before. So I just like to just like toss wrinkles at them. Like an example, one of my go-tos is long accelerations. So you'll have like, you know, two or three or even five minute intervals where you're actually accelerating the entire time. So you're starting like, you know, a three minute interval at a jog and finishing it at a dead sprint. And the, and the game is like to see if you can sustain a super gradual acceleration all the way through. And then you have a handful of, you know, reps. So you get another bite at the app. You inevitably, you screw up the first one, you run out of gears when you got 30 seconds left and then, then you try again. And, um, and then there's some like, you know, um, certain sort of like, you know, you know, because so many, you know, Olympians and national champions train here or have trained here, there's like some like hallowed, like some classic workouts or workout venues. So we'll go out to this place they call it the guardrail. It's like this super, um, kind of like a steeply pitched uh, hill where you can just do some gut busting uh, hill reps. Lake Mary road is like the place for like marathon specific type of workouts. So we'll go there and do, you know, a version of maybe one of the workouts that um, I write about in running the dream. Um, so, and then, you know, some, some folks come here, they have a coach. And so for those athletes, I just get out of the way and facilitate. Sometimes I'll actually have a call with the runner's coach before they come here. Just like, I'm not taking over here. You're the coach. Just let me know how I can facilitate and make sure, um, you know, I want to know like what's their next a race, you know, how, where, where does dream run camp sit in relation to that event? So it is, you know, I, it's very individualized. Like some folks will just, um, you know, just put themselves in my hands. And as long as I know enough about where they are with their running, um, I can make sure that they leave fitter than when they showed up. Um, yeah. Bracken's muted. Yeah. He's not very good at that, Matt. Is it muted again? <laughs> Man, this is just like a professional. my worst trait. <laughs> I blame my button. It was like a click and then a full click. <laughs> this button is like 30% dead and I can't always make it engage. Uh-huh. Sounds like the title of a, a punk song. I blame my button. <laughs> blame my button. I want to hear that. Well, you've written books about the importance of, of all facets of running. And we have endless podcast episodes we've done about the proper progression of workouts and know the reason behind why you're doing whatever. But at the end of the day, if you're not as much focused on pace and you're working on systems, you can sample workouts for a decent amount of time without negatively impacting your fitness. And no matter what you're doing prior, just any change in stimulus is going to provoke something early on. And so I can see why people would come in because probably the three of us have guided people down into that thought of things must be scripted. But unless you're already Olympic level with the level of scripting that would go along with that, almost everyone can deviate for a while and get better, not just 
tread water. Yeah, that, that's you hit the nail on the head. That, that's exactly it. Um, and and so yeah, it just takes some it takes some messaging to get people to understand mm-hmm. and embrace that. But I'm just like, trust me, you'll see. Um, and you know, folks who want more scripting, I I I will, but I, I try to get them to also, mm-hmm. um, you know, just embrace uh exactly that concept when i have to assume that most people their frequency rises when they go out there yeah just being in that environment though it takes away the two biggest issues that most people on a day-to-day basis deal with which is one getting out the door and then two just even enjoying the run in itself yeah there's no reason to not get out the door because the option's not there and there's no reason to cut a run short outside of injury because every step is enjoyable when you're with the team so just removing that, I have to assume most people's volume rises, their frequency rises, yep. and then their recovery practices rise. And so they're recovering better and then they get more out of the workout. So even if they had a reduction in quality, they're still going to get more fit. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, hundred percent. And yeah, so I think, you know, people are a little bit taken aback by just how sort of like hands off or loosey goosey. It's like, like, aren't you just going to be like a drill sergeant, like with precision and every, and every detail I'm like. Not really, you know, mm-hmm. precision matters in moments, but mostly it's just like, if you come here as a passionate runner and you have a blast running, magic's going to happen. Mm-hmm. What percentage, let's say somebody comes and stays for three weeks and they leave and they're, they're better, right? If anything, they're reinvigorated and they're, you know, they're going to leave, uh, I don't know, disciplined, motivated, whatever word you want to call, call it. Um, what percent is, what percentage of their improvement is due to running and what percentage of their improvement is due to immersion what do you think that's a tough one because like it's like are are we talking about um you know how much they're improved like i had one runner actually a runner i coach who came here and when she got back home she's like coach i want give me a workout that shows me how much fitter i got i'm like okay i can i can kind of do that um but that's like that was like you know on her second day back in pennsylvania but what about what's it look like three weeks later, three months later, like that's, that's where I think the real, I mean, cause like, even if you're here for, you know, six weeks, that's a tiny slice of your running journey. Um, and so like, I, I think the real payoff is, is the stuff that's down the road where you actually sort of, you look back on your dream run camp experience as like a, an inflection point mm. in, in your journey where it's like, and I've seen that, you know, like, cause I, I really try to go, below those superficial levels and just get um, just folks to just almost understand their running in a new way, or just like, you know, tweak their very relationship with their running. And so that kind of remains to be seen and it would be really difficult to measure. But I think, you know, I I mean, getting back to the question, I think in that case, it really is mostly the immersion. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, that really is my perspective on the whole thing. It's like, yeah, I want you to have a great time, while you're here and I want you to come away with some momentum that manifests like in your very next race. But I also want to have like a really, really lasting effect on, on the runners who come through here. So I have to imagine that if I'm you, this book's already writing itself in my mind, like training <laughs> camp for life, right? That's a terrible title, but the things what that were that's actually here, his title of his next book, Jack, and that would be hurtful. That, that <laughs> asshole. It's a, such a good title, but I bet it sounded better coming from you. <laughs> I still think my button, I blame the button, is, is yeah. probably better. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'd, be hard to, I'd be hard-pressed to say that or believe that you're not scrambling scheming of okay all the things that work here 
what is the outside version of this that works? And if there is a book in works already, like don't give it all away, but there have to be some low hanging fruit takeaways for people can leave from here without the honeymoon ending because they implement X, Y, and Z. What, what are some of those things that people can hear right now on this podcast and say, okay, I can make this a more holistic, sustainable, more frequency, better recovery by taking this camp principle and applying it to my life. Yeah, not not to sound like a broken record, but I really feel that uh, the the number one thing is like if if you look at like um, you know the the factors that can influence your running for the better as like um, a hierarchical pyramid, where it's like you know the most influential factor is at the base of the period, mm-hmm. and you you go on up. Um, I think that the absolute foundation, the base layer, is passion for the sport. Like the, the more you love running, the better you will run. All the other stuff starts to take care of itself. Um, if you nurture, if you, if you, if you look at, um, if you look at, uh, like elite runners who've had really, um, long successful careers where they, they don't just get to the top, but they stay there, you know, for years mm-hmm. and years and years, like the highly Geber Selassie's and the Sarah Hall's and the Abdi Abdi Rahman's it's like, there's like this, there's absolute consistency without exception. Like you look at like, you know, Abdi, when he qualified for his fifth Olympic team at age 43, it's like, well, let's get to know Abdi. Well, I do know Abdi a little bit. And like, you know, he just, he, he he's like a kid, like running is like play for him. It's just so fun. And he, 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 he protects that. He takes it seriously. Like, you know, he just like after the New York city marathon or whatever, every year, he goes back to Africa, doesn't run for, you know, five weeks, just like has fun. He, he keeps great balance in his life. And it's just he's, he's, he's tending that flame of his love for running. And so that's really, you know, again, not to sound like a broken record, but that that is really a number one that you come away with. But there is some other stuff like, um, you know, that that permission structure that I touched on earlier, where like so many runners just disqualified themselves from getting regular massage therapy treatments or hiring a coach or, or, or like, you know, or whatever it is like, you know um, like just giving themselves permission to do things like the pros. Sometimes that's the only barrier as they're like, Oh, I'm not worthy of that. And like, if they can come away just Mm -hmm. saying, you know, it's like, well, your budget's your budget and only you can decide just, you know, you know, like, you know, sometimes there are family dynamics that you have to consider, but like, removing all of the artificial barriers and, and just, you know, getting folks to really believe in their souls. Like, you know, if you love it, you do deserve it. And so I think that that would be kind of the number two thing. And then for sure, there are some, you know, you know, you could come here and learn exactly what it really means to be disciplined and like your easy runs, like, cause so many people BS themselves. Oh, I read 80, 20 running. Yeah, I do the, I do the, you know, I, I do my slow run slow. And then they, they have a rude awakening when they come here they realized they weren't. Um, so you can come away with some stuff that really can like whatever amount of time you are investing in your running already, you can get more benefit from it just by, um, really just like, I mean, that, that, that's a, that's a part of it. Like on the X's and O's level, people do learn exactly what the pros do. Um, and so, you know, there's like a, a lot of concrete takeaways that folks can have, or it's just like, all right, um, I don't have to run more, but I can get more out of my running just by, you know, just like monkey see, monkey do. Honestly, it's just like th- this works. If you're human, it will work for you. You can also do it. I'm not going to beat around the bush with this one. I'm going to go right for it. 
Um, I can't possibly afford this, Matt. Saunas, <laughs> probably a chiropractor, PT. I have a, a, a treadmill underwater. I have a gym. I'm living at Matt Fitzgerald's house. This can't be accessible to me. Like, how am I gonna? How am I gonna pull this off? Am I just listening to a podcast about truly a dream of a dream run camp, or like, what's this looking like? How how do we make this accessible? What what does that what does that look like? I just gotta ask. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I sound like I, or sometimes I, I feel like I sound like a cult leader in talking about <laughs> about my approach to this whole thing. But like, one of the things I wanted to do was price it at a minimum viable level uh, because I did want it to be accessible um, for folks. So you know, um, it's it's pretty darn cheap. Um, so there there are two tiers. Like there's like like a more like of a of a basic level. Call, I call it the pro experience. And then there's a little bit, um, just like another level that I call the elite experience that has just more of the, the extra stuff baked into it. Um, but, and then I, I, it's, it's tiered so that I'm encouraging longer stays. So the first week uh, on, at either level is more expensive than the second week, which is more expensive than the third. And then it, it bottoms out from three weeks on. Uh, but if you do the, the, the pro experience, um, it's, it's only 500 bucks for your first week and it goes, it goes down, it bottoms out at 300 bucks per week. What? So honestly, if I were just renting out bedrooms here, yes. Um, yep. Right. Um, so if I were just renting out bedrooms here, it- go, go, go. I'm just yeah. like, I, I knew Diane. So I've had conversations about this with Diane and I knew it was reasonable. That's why I kind of set you up here, right? That's stupid reasonable. You can't go to running camp for three days in high school and pay. You're muted still, Bracken. You can't go. (laughs) Bracken's, look at him. Look at him just wallowing in his own shame over there. (laughs) Um, I was talking to myself. uh, Oh, okay. Um, You can't go to three-day camp in high school. I mean, when I went back in 2000 and 2001, I paid more than that for three days. So that's unbelievable. That's all. I I mean, that's incredible. That's a gift. You can't get rent. No. Okay. Continue. Sorry to interrupt. I just, I'm very taken aback. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I'll probably adjust the prices a little bit for free season two, but like, you know, I, I've had uh, at least two people who've come to this camp who could not have come if it cost any more. And so that, that's meaningful to me. Like, you know, I, I don't want this to just be like a hangout for playboys <laughs> you know like like i want to, i mean i have to be responsible you know i i can't um i can't like run in the red but um it, you know uh, this is not you know, fortunately I, I do have other sources of income that sort of like um and also that my wife and i live here we're not going anywhere it's like we don't need to gouge folks um so i really wanted to err on the side of uh affordability um you know, to, to get it started. And, um, everything I've, I've seen so far just is, um, kind of validating that decision where, um, that, you know, I mean, let's face it. Like if you, if you clock into, if you're a shift worker at a factory, um, and you gotta be there, well, you probably can't come here for three weeks. Um, you you know, so, I mean, there, there's some folks that even, even with the pricing as it is, it's just not doable, but I want to make it doable for as, as many people as possible. Again, I feel like I sound like a cult leader, but like that's, I mean, when I hired, I hired a marketing agency to help me with like my website, my launch video. And like, I was telling them all this same stuff and they're like, oh, you're a very mission driven. Uh, mm-hmm. um, 
uh, entity or whatever. I like that term, like mission driven. It is Dream on Camp is it's it's not profit driven. Uh, again, trying to be responsible fiscally, but it, it is you know I'm on a mission. Okay. So if 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 we wanted to get all our buddies out there for a training camp, is that the type of thing that this can be used for? Like me and my eight closest runner friends just want a a two week running camp. Is that do you allow groups in? Yes, though uh, you would probably have to share a bed with someone if you had eight, because we have we have <laughs> we have four bedrooms, so it's it's pretty darn intimate. Maybe that'd um, be a perk. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, we'd probably get a second house down the road um, uh, if you know, you know if, if demand is really outstripping uh, supply. But but yeah, I have um, later this month. I have a group coming, hmm. so it's like it's a mother, daughter, daughter's boyfriend. Um, coming. And so I actually haven't had a lot of that. It's really been mostly just individuals and sometimes couples where maybe, you know, the wife runs and the husband doesn't or, or whatever. Um, so there's that as well. But yeah, I mean, if like, if, if, um, if there's no bookings in a period of time and you've got three buddies or, you know, it could, again, could you, there, double occupancy is allowed. Um, I don't so, have Yeah, you buddies. could come, you could, <laughs> you can come as a group. Yes. Okay. And also there, there is the option for like, because there'll be times when my wife and I just take off um, and we'll uh, conceivably rent out the entire house um, as more of like a, like a runner specific Airbnb type of thing. And that way, like I would be removed from the, the equation. I, I wouldn't be doing the hands on stuff because I would be in another state. Um, but there's, there's that as well. Um, something that I'm thinking about, I've thought about this since you initially mentioned the setup that you live. Like, I think you guys share walls, right? with the dream run campers it's the same building yep correct it's yep. not even a separate building in the yep. back it's the same literal building nope. um uh bracken i think you gotta agree with me on this uh, i certainly bracken's actually better about this than i am i'm bad ask my wife i got married three weeks ago so I, it's still saying wife's still weird to me but my wife will say i have terrible work-life balance i mean i'm texting my athletes at 9 p.m before bed I am ignore. Suddenly, she's talking to me, and I'm again involved with something on my phone, usually work related. Um, but I live in my own space, and if I need to, I can pivot. I don't have to check my email. I can set my phone down. Bracken's miraculous at this. I wish I could take a play out of his page. He's really good at separating. I think life and work better than me. It's a slippery slope. You don't want this. I, well, I envy you in that way. But I'm hearing you, man. Like how are you how are you doing it the the work life balance if you love what you do you don't work a day in your life yada yada and I do believe that to a certain point um you're fully immersed from sun up to sundown like how's that working out for you can you just walk me through that a little bit yeah I mean so far so good I, I would say you know for this because this is season one like I said we um I mean we're here on uh, we're speaking on August thirty first our first runners arrived May sixth so it's fresh and. Um, we actually haven't had anyone here the past uh, few days. We had a group event earlier in the month. They scattered and then we had a, like a nice little break. Mm -hmm. And if anyone had booked in the last week, I would have said, yes, come on down. But for this first season, we've actually had kind of nicely timed gaps uh, between influxes of runners. And so that sort of, you know, enforces a kind mm -hmm. of balance um, but, and so, and there will be, you know, I, I'm just sort of like feeling my way through it. There will be, I mean, I'm sure I'm, I'm pretty confident that for season two, um, there will be, um, you know, season one has been an unqualified success for sure. Um, but I, I, season two will be busier and that might become a little bit 
more of an issue. It's part of the reason I do have an assistant coach. So if I'm like, you know what, I just need to go to San Diego for the weekend. Lauren, can you take over? Like that is sort of like a pressure release type of thing for me. But then, you know, the other thing is like, um, yeah, I mean, there is, there is really most days, nothing else I would rather be doing. Um, and again, and also because, because my health is, is what it is. Like I, I'm pretty darn limited actually. Like I can't, I can't really, I can't do much more than, than I do. Um, so just like, you know, I've just, I've arrived at, I'm in a phase of my life where like, I almost view myself as like a secondary character in my own story, where it's like, I've just sort of receded into the background and I'm pouring into other people. Um, so it's the coaching, it's the dream run camp. It's this, um, this ment- uh, coach mentorship program I'm operating like that stuff just feeds me in a way where I just like, you know, like I've never had a sweet tooth. I'll eat a dessert if it's in front of me, but I never crave them. And I find myself like not really craving time off <laughs> or time away. And it feels, I, it feels like it feels healthy. Um, I, I don't feel like I'm kidding myself in that regard, uh, but it could change. Okay. I, 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 I'm not surprised to hear that, but um, I've been wondering that the entire time you've been speaking. So that's good. That's great. <laughs> Bracken, what else do you have about Dream Run Camp? You want to know? I guess... In your community interactions, I'm sure there are people that don't fully buy in, like from when pro runners are visiting NAZ Elite or even maybe some people on there, there's like, yeah, we tolerate it, but it's not my jam. And then I assume there are some people that are all about it. Are are there some characters in town who have just kind of become a part of this house uh, adjacent to it? Or is it still working on bridging the gap to the greater community? Uh, that that's a that's an excellent question. So yeah, one of one of the things I wanted for this was deep integration between Dream Run Camp and the the. I mean, Flagstaff just has an amazing running community. Like community, like that word genuinely applies to what we got here, what we've got going on here. And so I really wanted that integration, um, both with NEZ Elite. Um, and also with like the, just the, the local uh, amateur running community. And that's really happening. I mean, I had a great relationship with Ben Rosario, who's now the, uh, the executive director of NAZ Elite. He's no longer the head coach. And so, I mean, we're friends. Um, and so that helps a lot. Um, I mean, the team is almost all new people compared to like, I mean, it's a pro sport, right? A lot of turnover. Um, but it's, it's been fun to see. Like, I think they have like 19 runners on the team now. And when I first, um, you know, when I first landed here and, and, you know, just turned this vision into a reality, Ben, um, he, he, he just sent an email to the whole team, including staff, letting them know like, Hey, Matt, Matt Fitzgerald has this thing going on. If you want to be involved, you're welcome to. And there were some, some of the athletes on the team and also the assistant coach, Jenna Reedon, who I've uh, gotten to know quite well, they were really interested in it. So um, you know, so certain individuals um, on the team have just like they they want to be involved, and so I didn't want to force anything because I know I'm not going anywhere, and I'm going to build relationships. The same thing happened when I was embedded with the team in in for 13 weeks in 2017. Like there was a couple runners on the team who just you know just went out of their way to welcome me and make me feel. Um, like I was part of the group. And then there were others that I only really connected with individually toward the very end of my stint. Mm-hmm. But I, I was there long enough to really um, just let it happen naturally. And it did. And the same thing is playing out again with, with Dream Run Camp. So, 
you know, I've had one runner on the team, uh, Alice Wright, uh, English woman uh, who has come here. She loves the hyperbaric chamber. So, and I have an open door policy. Like I, I, it's like, it's a no knock. Like if you're affiliated with any of the elite, you can just walk in. Um, and, um, and so like, there've been some who just like, they're taking advantage of, of, of that. They take me at my word and then they say, ah, actually it's not a cult. It's just like, like I, I, I want dream run camp to feel like this where people like, um, like what's your angle? I know there's an angle here and then there's just no angle. It's just like this, like this kind of a spirit of generosity. I'm just, it's sort of like an offering to the community. And then same thing is happening with the, the amateur running community as well. Like I now coach one of my neighbors um, and um, she comes over twice a week and I, do, I, she has this brutal strength workout that uh, a local strength coach gave her. Like I actually do that workout with her, which is kind of funny for a 52 year old, otherwise sedentary man with long COVID. Um, but like, yeah, so like, yeah, I'm connecting with, uh, folks too. Hmm. Um, like I have another neighbor who is a triathlete and comes over and uses the spa pool for some of his training. And again, it's like, just show up anytime. Uh, and so it's like, it's early days, but that's happening where like people are going to see there is no angle here. We just like, we're just, we're just, just, we want to be like kind of like this gift to the local running community. It really is special here. And you have folks who've been here for a long time saying, ah, oh, the people moving in from California or Phoenix are ruining it. But like, I, I, I think Dream Run Camp can be sort of a factor that pushes in the opposite direction and helps um, preserve what makes uh, Flagstaff unique and special uh, for, for runners. Sounds like the angle might be that it just gives you more of your dream camp long term. Yeah, yeah. That, that, I mean, that is what it, I mean, of course, there's something in it for me. But right. That, that really is it. I mean, it feels, I mean, I'm, I'm late to the party because I'm, I'm wired as a pretty self-involved person. And it was like, like my older brother nicknamed me Project Matt when I was in high school. And it was like, it was so just pain, painfully on the money. <laughs> but like, you know, now in this, like this, this current phase, uh, like I just, um, like my wife has been like this her whole life. Like she, she just like giving to other people feels great for her. And like, I'm just like, I'm like, I'm high on that drug, which I just, I, like I said, it's like kind of newly discovered to me. So like, yeah, I just, it's, it's just a great feeling uh, to be able to, yeah, just place myself in the service of other people um, and see the impact that it has. And, and, you know, like, it's like, it is, I mean, people are appreciative, you know, no one's just like using me. Right. Like, I don't get that feeling at all. Well, and every athlete wants an audience to some extent, and so I have to assume that having an extra group of people at the track or on the road for the pro athletes who can show what it's like to be this fast, that only helps them crank out their last few reps of their session. It's not it's not going to impede them since you guys aren't going to be handling it in a way that's inappropriate. Right. Yep. And I'm super sensitive to that, like, you know, because like they have a job to do and they can't they can't they can't veer one degree to the left or the right. I mean, they're trying to get to the damn Olympics, but um, so, I mean, so I, I've gone out of my way to, to make sure that Ben and, and, uh, and Jenna and, you know, the people who, um, you know, are responsible for these athletes know, like, I'm not trying to use you, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but also the runners on the team, they're good people. You know, runners tend to be salt of the earth and, and even in the recruiting for NAZ elite, um, you know, like that, they want team players. They want chemistry is huge. They don't want, just want the fastest person. And so by and large, like they're just, they're just good folks. And so if someone wants, you know, a selfie with one of them, like they don't grumble. Like they just, you know, they, they act like they've got all day for you. 
Heck, that's cool. I run faster when the uh, JV football team is practicing on the infield of the track, just knowing they're there. If I knew an Olympic hopeful was coming up on my shoulder during a track session, I might get a little more out of my workout. I don't know. Um, so we we know uh, I'm going to assume that uh, writing is a given at some point. We're always we're progressing towards something there. We have Dream Run Camp. Um, Diane hinted at a couple, maybe one or two other things that you sort of have in the works initiatives. And I don't know what it is as far as involving other races, we'll call it, with uh, the running community and things like that. Could you just touch on some of the uh, that in particular and then anything else you have outside of your writing and dream run camp yep. going on? <clears throat> yeah, so what you're referring to is this uh, nonprofit that I started um, in, tw- well, tw- call it 2021. Um, it's called the Coaches of Color Initiative, and it's just um, it's mainly um, an apprenticeship program for uh, aspiring and newer um, BIPOC coaches. Um, and you know, it sort of came out of like the madness of the Ahmad Arbery and George Floyd murders in in, in 2020, when um, you know a lot of you know white folks uh, um, who have kind of a, a social conscience. I should mention uh, my wife is, is black. So like this stuff kind of hits closer to home to, for me than it, than it does for maybe some other white people. But like, I just, I felt like a lot of people you know, felt like I want to be an ally <laughs> or like, you know, I, I want to do something. I want to push back against, you know, some of the horrors that, that we were exposed to. I mean, all the time, but it seemed like really things came to a head that year. And I, so I have my company 8020 endurance. It's like a, online training resources for endurance athletes. I talked to my partner about it and we agreed like, you know, like not everyone can just run for Congress and try to make like big, big change, pass laws or whatever. So we decided to do something very close to home. Like we are in the endurance space. We were getting ready to launch our own proprietary coaching certification program. So we just decided to make, um, you know, like a diversity and inclusion initiative that was like right within our wheelhouse. So we just started this apprenticeship program. It's very small scale. But it's like it's very intensive. And so it's like it's a nine month soup to nuts, um, you know, 360 degree apprenticeship experience where you get you, you get um, education, you get certification, you get networking, you get experience, you get paid. Um, and so the idea is like by the time you graduate after nine months, like you are 100 percent up to speed. Um, and yeah, so every three months we bring on a, a new apprentice and um it's just a blast, you know, because it's like for me, it's just it's like a, it's a mentoring role. You know, I've I've been at this for a long time. I have like a wealth of experience and knowledge. And also my heart is very much in this. Um, so um, that like that's something I put a lot of energy into right now and, and is very fulfilling. And then it, it is. Um, so that nonprofit is uh, affiliated with my company, 8020 Endurance, which is growing and thriving. It's funny. I, I, I call myself the world's least likely entrepreneur. I totally started that company by accident, but like, you know, we're out, we're now up to six people, um, mix of full-time and, and, and part-time. And so that's, that's chugging along, uh, nicely as well. We, we have a, we do quarterly, uh, company summits and we have one coming up in San Diego that I'm really looking forward to. Um, and so, you know, those, are the, I, I spread myself pretty thin, but, uh, I, I love it all. Like I'm not doing anything on a have to basis right now. Is this all virtual for the internship or is there an in-person component? Uh, there is an in-person component. Like it's very like 
the model is like we really shape the experience around the individual. So like, you know, we've had uh, we've only had a handful of people come through the program so far, but each each one has been in a very different place with different needs. And and so as part of the onboarding process, we try to get a really good sense. Well, we let them know, like, here's everything that we can offer, you know, you know, prioritize. And then we shape the apprenticeship around the individual. Um, but we do try to make some have like an in-person component to it. So the, actually the group event that I mentioned earlier this, this month that we held here was um, the, the first annual, hopefully annual uh, Coaches of Color Initiative Summer Summit, where we brought our, all of our current apprentices and our um, advisory board out here. And we just, um, uh, we just it was like, uh, we did presentations that were also uh, live streamed. So like um, everyone got a turn uh, to present on some either coaching related or, you know, diversity related topic. And then we just had a lot of like quality time together. Um, and yet, yes, obviously we all understand like there's certain things you can do in person that you just can't do right. virtually. So yeah, we try to definitely get some face time with, with everyone who comes through the program. Do you target a certain type of coach, like a tier or a level of what their involvement in the sport's going to be? You know, yeah, that's an interesting question. Like, um, you know, the one thing I don't love about this model is like, like you know, because like we only take on one apprentice at a time and, um, you know, it's an application process. So the first time we ran it through, you know, you're you're largely dealing with a population who've, who've experienced having a lot of doors shut in their faces throughout their lives, mm -hmm. just based on the color of their skin or their background. And it just felt like, dang, that must feel kind of like another door. Mm -hmm. You know, because like we get to say yes to this one person, but then it was like no to everyone else. I'm like, all right, that's not good enough. So we, you know, it's like we, we've been iterating with this thing. And now we have a way to say a version of yes to everyone who, who applies. Um, just some, 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 some like other things that we can do to facilitate mm -hmm. people growing in, in their careers. But our criterion for selecting an apprentice is like, because you have to be very careful. Like you're not, you're not hiring someone for a job. And so it really is a different criterion. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, as like, the guy who started it, I, I, I said, I mean, we have an advisory board because I, you know, I would make all kinds of unforced errors, you know, good intentions, like bad move, but like without a, an advisory board. Um, but like the way I approach it, and we've got buy-in on this is like, we should award the apprenticeship to the person who we think will benefit from it the most. And then you can define that however you want. But that's the idea. We want we want to have the biggest possible impact on, you know, one individual at a time. Um, and I think that's the right approach because like it's different than if you're like, if you're hiring for someone from a job, you want them to be like 100% ready to go. And they like, they almost don't need the job. You just know they'd be good at mm -hmm. it. This is, this is a little bit different. Um, so sure, for sure, it's people who are definitely earlier on in their coaching journey, okay. either like, I mean, they have to have a demonstrated interest in coaching because there is a monthly stipend that comes with this and you don't want someone who's just like, oh, a thousand bucks a month, that sounds great. You know, I'll laugh all the way to the bank. Right. Like you want mm -hmm. someone who's like proven that they want to go down this path, but it's also, you know, best if they haven't gone too far down this path because then they will probably benefit from it less than someone mm -hmm. who um, is less experienced, maybe still has imposter syndrome or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's talk the details then of both um, uh, Coaches of Color and then Dream Run Camp as we sort of work on closing this thing down. Um, 
how do people find info on both of these things, Dream Run Camp in particular? What are the next steps if they want to learn more? What resources are there? How does that ball get rolling? Yeah, I mean, the, the so uh, dreamruncamp.com is our website. And like the, the main call to action, if you go there, you'll see it's like front and center. The, the call to action is a, a, a you know free, no obligation questionnaire or whatever. And that's where it's just a way of like expressing an interest um, in... You know, people tend to be like, they only have a vague idea of what it is, or they have, they're full of questions, or they're throwing up a lot of these, you know, barriers. It's like, oh, I'm scared of altitude, or I don't think I'm good enough. But the questionnaire actually gives, it gives people a chance to actually express those concerns. And it, it generates an email that comes straight to me. Um, and so because of the scale of this thing, it's easy for it to be a very informal, like you cannot just go on that website and book a stay. Um, cause I want it to be very personal and informal. So I, I'll get this email and then I will respond personally. And often I'll invite people to, um, to just set up, um, like a, a video chat with me where like they can just throw questions at me. I can explain more about what the experience is, help with some of those, those barriers. So that's how that process works. We also have an Instagram. A lot of people learn about us through Instagram, um, Dream Run Camp, I guess, is the handle. I don't manage the account. <laughs> uh, I'm not much of a social media guy. Um, but yeah, so, but that's how it works. So you can learn a lot about Dream Run Camp on the website. There's like a video, there's an FAQ, uh, but you can just like bang, spend two minutes on that questionnaire. And then you've just opened up a, you know, a conversation with me. And I'm like, I am not a high pressure sales guy. Like, you know, I just, <laughs> I just facilitate. Um, so that's the Dream Run Camp thing. And then uh, to learn more about... Um, Coaches of Color Initiative, go to um, 8020foundation.org. Um, you know, you could either apply, you know, there we have you know, windows every three months where we accept uh, applications. You can also donate there if you believe in the cause. Great. Um, uh, per, I guess a curiosity uh, now that that's covered is what do we got in the pipeline for literature or anything? Are we, are we working on some stuff? How close to the chest is it? If you are, what's going on there? <laughs> yeah, I'm working on something that I'm, I'm pretty jazzed about. It's actually, so I mentioned that, um, 80, 20 endurance, we created our own, uh, coaching certification. Um, you know, it's like a, an online course. Um, and, uh, it's been very well received. We've all, we've already certified, uh, right around a hundred coaches with another couple hundred plus like in the process. Um, and it was, that was sort of like our beachhead into getting more into education. Um, so I'm actually working on a course now that's called endurance mastery. Um, and it's sort of like, um, you know, it, it, it addresses the, uh, it, well, it addresses the, the, the matter of like, what does it mean to reach your full potential as an athlete? Like who actually does that? And how, how did they get there? Um, and it's funny, like, you know, most of like where my books come from is like finding the gaps in what's out there, you know, cause I'm neck deep in this world and I look around and sometimes I'm like, there should be dot, dot, dot. And like, nobody's done it yet. And there's so many, you know, so many, like if you, if you buy like a training book on running, there's something implicit in there that is never made explicit, which is like, what is the point of all this? Like we're, you know, we're teaching you how to improve, but where does it actually lead and to me, where it leads, it's, it's what I do as, as a coach and as a coach edu educator. It's like the goal for anyone who's at all competitive is like fulfillment of potential. And there's there's a lot to that. You know, it's not just like, you know, like getting a good plan and following it. Those aren't the people who master their sport. Like the, 
you know, like, and, and so this course is, is squarely, it's, it's for both athletes and coaches, but it's squarely focused on like, what does it mean to realize 100% of your God given ability as an athlete? And then how, do, how does it happen? Like, what is the process? So, so it's not a book, but it's like, it's like, so it's going to be all video based. And, um, and I've, I've written like this, like 50 plus thousand word script. <laughs> so it's like book length, but it's actually a script. And I've hired a local videographer and it's going to be a hybrid of like um, TED talk style presentation and masterclass, like a little more, more informal and in, in, intimate. And we're putting some money behind it. We're really investing in really high quality like production. Um, and we're hoping to release it um, January or February. Uh, but it's, it's going to be, it's like, for me, it's a, it's like, a, it's a cool way to stretch myself creatively because um you know, it is writing based. You know, I'm writing the script, but it's going to be me in front of a camera for hours. Uh, <laughs> um, and so it's like, it's like, it's, it's kind of stretching me. I mean, I've done plenty of on-camera stuff, but nothing like at this level. Um, so I'm just having a blast with it. Like just trying to make the script absolutely perfect. And like, I'm just pouring like everything I've ever learned, mm. like into this, like with a very focused agenda. And uh, I'm really, uh, it's a fun process. And I think it is going to, um, I think it will, I'm partisan, but I think it's going to be very valuable for coaches and athletes. I like the sound of that. Right on. What's it called? We get questions about, oh God. That's all I want to know what it's called. Endurance mastery. Is it catchy? I like it. it. I mean, it's no, I blame my button. Uh, I think there's a meeting between the two somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. It it, it implies something. Yes. I guess not implies, it states something. Yes. Yep. It's bold. Yep. Go big or go home. That's right. Well, we get questions a lot. Uh, user submitted questions all the time. What are you reading right now? What do we recommend? I actually intended to ask you this last time, and we just it wasn't there for it, and we ran out of time. But you're one of the people who we recommend several of your books to people. But I, it's strange to think of it from your perspective. Other people recommending what is the best of you when you probably wouldn't agree. And I think it's probably hard to like, which, which one of your kids do you love the most? But we all know which one it is at the end of the day. <laughs> so of your books and your double digit books, you're in the twenties or more over 30, over 30 now. Yeah. So where should people start and what are your greatest hits? They rarely ask the musicians or the authors what their greatest hits are. So I'm asking now. I mean, um, I mean, greatest hit sounds like popularity, but you're talking about your, in your opinion. The, what, what, what's essential, yeah, Matt Fitzgerald? Yeah, I mean, I like I like to think it's funny, you know, because like I, I approach <clears throat> writing like sort of with like with an athlete's mindset, mm-hmm. like so I'm trying to I'm trying to PR with every book, every time, yeah. <laughs> you know, like uh, yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to master my craft, so. I would say don't read anything that's more than ten years old. <laughs> Just like um, <laughs> I, well, I got to be careful because like more time has passed than I. You're gonna I have imagined. to put out well, the remastered I mean, versions. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, I like the one one book I can reliably pick up and not vomit. Like when I reread what I wrote was um, um, is running the dream. Okay. The the book I wrote about my my fake pro running experience, like. It's just I had great material material to work with because it was just a great story, um, and I think I think the I think the writing stands up and it's like it, it's um it's pretty galvanizing like you know if you just want like a shot in the arm like you read it and you just like can't wait to race um, that's a good that's a good read um, okay. for that um, yeah stuff that's more uh, X's and O's 
like, you know, just coach what's in it for me. I just want to get better. Um, you know, 80, 20 running, it, honestly, um, that's the book that started it all, um, like that one, I think stands up pretty well. I mean, I, I, it, we're sort of due for a second edition. Well, you know what, uh, something newer, run like a pro, even if you're slow, which I co-authored with the aforementioned, frequently aforementioned Ben Rosario. Um, I'm pretty proud of that. It was cool because it's collaborative. Mm. So you get the two voices, mm. like me just doing the science-y thing and, and Ben, you know, speaking from the perspective of an elite coach in the trenches and just saying, hey, this Matt guy knows what he's talking about. Here's what it looks like, you know, um, you know, in, uh, in, in reality. So run like a pro, even if you're, if you, even if you're slow, it's like, it's very like X's and O's. Uh, there's a lot that you can just take away and immediately apply. Um, but, but, uh, had a lot of fun collaborating on that one with Ben Rosario. Okay. And then outside of you, do you recommend others books to people when they ask you? I mean, I, I certainly do. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a fiction geek. You okay. know? So like I was, a, I was, I was an English major in college and like I graduated and just kept right on reading Shakespeare, like a, that kind of geek. So like, you know, right now I'm reading, a, it's a novel, you know, I, I mostly read fiction and most of like the running related or endurance related books I read are um, for research, you know, it's like, it's not really pleasure reading mm-hmm. for me, but I like, I like, I like to keep current. Like I read um, Christine Yu's um, Up to Speed recently um, it's just about like just the, like the shocking lack of quality research involving female subjects and like how much like how much like how embarrassingly like female physiology remains like like a black box in 2023. Like we know so much more about men's bodies than mm-hmm. women's bodies. So like a valuable and needed book. And Christine did a great job with it. I, I had her on my 8020 endurance podcast. And like I consider that essential reading, like as a coach who coaches more women than men, I'm like, I'm, I'm sure there are some like major blind spots that I, that I can help fill in by, by reading. Uh, so a lot of it's like, you know, continuing education, just trying to improve, uh, get better at what I'll, I do. Like I will, you know, there's a lot of running books out there, but um, you know, I'll try to read ones that I know, like I will directly benefit from reading. And then often if I think it's well done, I go on and, and recommend it to others. So I would recommend that book. Okay. What, um, I'm, I'm assuming you would know this, and this is again curiosity, not pointing people to specific books here. What are your top five bestsellers in order? I don't, I genuinely wouldn't know the answer to that. Yeah, number one, it did have two editions, but if you if you combine the two, was Racing Weight, mm. like like a book that I probably could not get published today because of like how the 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 the, mm. the dialogue surrounding mm-hmm. uh, weight management in athletics has has changed. But I actually, you know, I stand by my the approach I took. Um, with that book and you know it came out the first edition came out in like 2009 back when it was like it was just like a different environment and um you know that thing that thing sold very well um how bad do you want it is like that's that's the most that's the biggest like crossover fit i've had like i was really surprised like there was a lot i wrote it you know all all the stories in there are, are endurance specific but it really took off in like the crossfit community and um you know, I remember like a, a like a, a Division One college basketball coach tweeting about it at one point, recommending. I'm like, I ha- I did not have that person in mind when I wrote mm. the book, but that was cool. Mm. And that one, you know, that that came out many years ago, almost a decade ago, and it still sells mm. very well. Eighty twenty running, uh, that's probably number three. Um, and I don't know after that. You know, there's just so many. I can tell you my all time worst. Oh, yeah, what's your worst? Yeah, what is your worst? <laughs> I did one uh, called, well, the, it was published by Human Kinetics um, and they retitled it. Um, 
it was just it was it was a book all about um, how to make the best use of technology um, as a runner. And so they titled it um, The Runner's Edge, I think. And it like, oh, my God, that book tanked so bad. It just like nobody bought it. I mean, it's, it sold like in the hundreds of copies, like not even enough. Not even I feel like today the right angle. On I don't that. even remember. People can't go for a run without 12 different technologies paired to their watch. That'd be an interesting yeah. one now i i don't know when that was that you wrote that but oh my goodness that would be a it's a different age than the uh egg timer days i started with that's for sure <laughs> yeah i mean i started running in uh 1983 so i've i've seen it Bracken, what were you doing in 83 <laughs> gestating well, i was i was in diapers but i was i had a consciousness anyways for a for 87 <laughs> for me kirk i'm 83 um 87 matt i don't know bracken if you got anything else you want to cover today but i uh somehow we've talked for an hour and 48 minutes i don't know it goes quick with you matt and i got a lot of respect for what you do and seems like you're a guy that grabs life by the balls and never rests even even with your own personal <laughs> personal you know health struggles and i know how you know, pressing on is actually the best medicine. And I think that's probably the truth, but just uh, a lot of admiration for what you're doing and services you're providing and the knowledge you spread and all that. So appreciate that. I don't know, Bracken, if you have anything you want to add, but. No, I'm not going to continue complimenting them like that. <laughs> no, it was great. As always, this was a great conversation. I think this is a good stopping point. Right did we on. miss anything, Matt? Well, appreciate it, guys. It's always, oh. Oh, did we miss anything? Uh, I'm just gonna say no, because uh, like you know, I've had I've I've had I've had a blast, um, and you know, we'll have something else to talk about. If I didn't burn a bridge here today, I'd love to come back on the show and talk about uh, uh, other stuff uh, at a future date. Are you worried you burned a bridge today? <laughs> uh, now I am. <laughs> you just led with that so quickly. I thought, did he slip an insult that I missed? Uh, no, no, no. I just like, I don't want to be presumptuous. Oh. You know, it's like, it's your show. It's up to you to decide if you want me back. But this was our third round. It is. So. I don't, have we had it a four, was. have we had a four Pete yet? We've had oh a, yeah. We've had a handful Hunter's of Hunter's been on four. Oh yeah, it's okay. We've had, I think we've had two fours. Oh crap. All right. Well, it's not a competition, but you're, you're doing well. <laughs> Thank you for your time. Thank Appreciate you it. Yeah. It. Looking forward to keeping, uh, keeping up. And uh, I hear Diane's making a trip out there in I think September. So I'll have some first slash yes. secondhand knowledge knowledge of uh, the uh, inside of the experience. So I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. Diane's great. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Matt. Right on.